Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This question is from Psychic Sally, and she says, I would like to know if you can see anything in my chart pointing to psychic abilities, and if so, how to hone them and my intuition. I grew up in a moderately religious Irish family where woo stuff was not accepted and mocked, a view that I held to before I moved away from home and could form my own opinions and beliefs. Ever since, I've strongly identified with astrology as it has helped me through some very difficult times and helped me to understand and improve myself. I feel like I've been at a wobbly turning point for some time now and want to know whether I should pursue spiritual and creative path instead of my corporate job. Thank you so much for all the work you do. You are an inspiration to me on a daily basis, and you have helped me so much already in so many ways, as I am sure you have many others. Thank you so much for all the work you do. Love, Psychic Sally. So Psychic Sally was born July 8th, 1993 at 14, 15 in Dublin, Ireland. So Psychic Sally, love your question. Thank you for sending it. Thank you for the love. As a person who is, I am a psychic medium. I have psychic abilities and mediumship abilities. These are different abilities. And psychic ability, the way I usually describe it to people is it's kind of like having a really excellent Wi-Fi connection. You just have amazing Wi-Fi and you have access to this worldwide web of information. Now, It doesn't mean that you're on all the websites of the world consuming all the content of the world all at once. No, it doesn't. Being psychic doesn't mean you know everything. It doesn't mean you can know everything or certainly all at once. What it means is you have access to data. Now, astrologically, there are different ways of looking for psychic ability. Because there's so much stigma around psychic ability, and there's so much confusion about what it means and all that kind of stuff, I think that it's important for me to just take you through a little walk through my kind of take on these things. In my view, and different astrologers may approach this in different ways, Pluto is the planet that governs like straight up psychic ability. I just know things. I just like know things from deep in my guts. Pluto is one of the planets also associated with mediumship abilities. Now, Neptune is associated with clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, that kind of stuff. And what all of these things are, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, is there are different ways of receiving information. Some people have pictures that they receive that they just kind of know stuff visually. Some people smell things. Some people have a sense of like it, it is a strong sense in their physical body. This is related to being an empath, which is really different than being a highly empathetic person, right? And it is really different in meaningful ways. Uranus can be associated with kind of like precognition, just knowing things. And I would say Jupiter is the gift of sight. So all of these different outer planets can be associated with those different kinds of psychic or intuitive ability. Now, I am of the minds that all humans have psychic ability. It's actually a part of being a human. But we live in a way that actually inhibits that. I also believe that theoretically everyone could sing or everyone could run a marathon. But to get me to run a marathon would take so much work and effort that I'm probably never going to damn do it. And please don't tell my partner to sing me a song because I don't want to hear it. 
while we might all have access to parts of the human condition or human nature, for all of us, it's going to be more organic or easy to do certain things than others. That's an important thing to say. So while I think, yes, everyone has the capacity to be psychic or intuitive, I don't think everyone should do the work to do that. I don't think it's necessary. But I do want to say that the idea that it's like supernatural, I guess, conventionally speaking, it is. But it really, it's just, it's just part of using your brain. You know, I really just think it's part of using your brain. It's just using your brain in a way that is very difficult for most people. Now, I, I got to tell you, my loves, I have a ton of questions in my inbox from people who've asked me the same thing. Someone told you or many people have told you that you're psychic or that you're intuitive and you're scared or you want to make it work or you don't want to make it work or you want evidence. And when someone says you could be a really great singer or they say you could be a really great psychic, it's the same thing. It's A, their interpretation of you. It's B, them seeing something in you that they see you have a choice to cultivate or not. It's something that's kind of hard to put your finger on, right? And so the the problem is because of the stigma around psychic ability, people tend to kind of freak out about it. And I think that's an important thing to acknowledge. I think it's also really important to acknowledge being psychic doesn't mean you're a good person. Being intuitive doesn't mean you're kind. Being an empath doesn't mean you're empathetic. It doesn't mean you're compassionate. These are not equal to each other, my loves. Wouldn't it be cool if it were like that? Wouldn't it be cool if everyone who had the inclination and ability to be really good at business would just organize services that met the needs of the people? But that's not how it works. Having skills and having gifts is not equal to the choices an individual makes with how they'll use those skills and gifts. And I think sometimes... People equate, I am empathetic with, I am a kind and generous person. And these things are not equal. It would be great if they were. You can certainly make them equal, but they are not inherently equal to each other. So now to you, Psychic Sally. When I look at your chart, I'll say there's a lot of things that pop up that would make me think, yes, sure, absolutely. You have the capacity to cultivate psychic or intuitive skills. You have a moon in Pisces, makes you very sensey, deeply sensey. Now, that sensitivity is very emotional. The problem with that is it's not objective, it's subjective. And what that might mean is you might pick up a lot of data about the people in your lives, but not as much about strangers. You might need to feel an emotional connection or a sense of identifying with the person you're talking to in order to get reliable data. If that's the case, that's, you know, not bad or good unless you're trying to make your living at it, in which case it's a bit of a liability, right? You also have a Neptune-Uranus conjunction in Capricorn, and in your individual chart, Uranus and Neptune both oppose your Sun and Mercury. This indicates a tendency towards being really intuitive, uh, having really permeable aura In other words, being able to feel into other people. So I would, and this is a little bit semantics, but I would actually differentiate that from psychic ability. When push comes to shove, when it all boils down to it, it's kind of all the same. But in fact, it's quite different. It's kind of like, if you tell me you're a singer, I don't need to know if you're a baritone or a schmooshy tone because I don't know the difference. I hear you're a singer. Until you kind of get in the weeds with it, I don't know how how important it is for you to know that you're intuitive versus psychic. But for you, having a strong sense of people, situations that you could cultivate with practice, ideally with a teacher. And I say ideally with a teacher because you have the sun in the ninth house 
and you have Mercury conjunct your midheaven. And those aspects actually do really well with learning with a teacher, with somebody who can kind of guide you and inspire and mentor you. And all of these things indicate that you absolutely could have a career that you feel really good about as an intuitive. But let's be really clear about what that means. What that means is hustling for a living. What that means is not having a reliable paycheck for many years. Most people who do any kind of intuitive work, astrology, tarot, even massage, don't have a reliable income for many years. And if you're working in a corporate environment, then you may be kind of used to having some steady paycheck. In fact, you do have Venus in the eighth house square to Saturn in your birth chart, and that tends to create financial conservatism. It just makes you really risk averse with your own money. And so I'm not sure that going from a corporate job to being a professional psychic makes a great deal of sense because I will tell you, personally me, I've been, you know, a professional psychic and astrologer for almost as long as you've been alive. And people still constantly question me <laughs> and ask me to prove myself and defend myself all the damn time. That is a part of doing a job that is not accepted by society. And, you know, when you listen to this podcast or you scroll through the, your own curated Instagram feed or like social media feed, you might get this feeling that everyone's into it. And certainly all of these things, astrology, psychic ability, tarot, magic, witchcraft, they're all having this amazing renaissance. But it's still counterculture. It's still very much outside of the culture. And if your family made fun of random witches back in the day, trust they would make fun of you. So would colleagues and friends and strangers on the intranet. Should that stop you? Hell no, it shouldn't stop you. But it's a consideration. Because it's putting all your eggs in a particular basket, and that basket will be heavily criticized by people. And, you know, you have to be aware. Is that something that you actually want to choose? Because when we talk about working as a professional psychic or a professional witch or astrologer, what we're really talking about is figuring out what that means to you. The way that I structure my practice is that I am all about counseling people and helping people. And after, you know, more than 20 years of it, it became also, I guess, a podcast. But it didn't start that way. I actually was on a podcast called Cosmic Keys Podcast not long ago, and we kind of talked about this, is that when people first start learning, like in the first decade, first seven to 10 years of learning about any of these wonderful woo things, it's really exciting. And what we have this compulsion to do in this modern world is to share it online. And we want to talk about it with people, and we want to share with people all the things that we're learning. But the truth of the matter is you're still very much learning. So when you put yourself in a position of needing to to make a living off of it, needing to structure a product that you can sell, it changes that enthusiasm for learning. And it puts you in a position where you do have to be able to stand in your truth, which will mean defending it at times. I, like I said, I've been doing this for many years and I still get people who come into my office, like waited a year to meet with me and they're still will cross their arms across their chest and say, you tell me you're the psychic. <laughs> and that's, you know, a missed opportunity for them. But it is, it is not abnormal for that to happen. Um, I don't want to make it seem like it's the same as being a shrink. Although honestly, that happens to therapists too. People walk into their office and are like, you tell me what to do. You fix me. When you work as a counselor of any kind, when you work sitting across from someone, whether it's online or in person, and offering them a service, understand that what you're doing is you're putting yourself in a position where you're accountable to that person. 
And I actually think you're really good at that. I think you would be really good at that. But I also think it's intimidating. You know, I know it's an intimidating thing to do. And I see that in your chart, again, that Saturn Venus square, also Neptune opposite your sun. I worry that that's actually not what you would want to do. So if you wouldn't want to counsel people, how could you make a living as an intuitive or a psychic? What would that look like for you? I don't know, because the world is quickly changing. And there are so many ways of channeling your creativity and your intuition, whether it's to create a service or, I don't know, a product. I really don't know. It's too big of a question for me to truly answer for you. But part of why it's too big of a question to answer is because there isn't an answer yet. You have to just explore it. And I want to encourage you to explore it with your eyes wide open without idealizing what the path is. You need to decide whether or not you want to be an innovator in this, whether or not you want to take personal risks around this stuff. And I'm not telling you you shouldn't. Trust me, I would if I saw that you shouldn't. But I am going to say that you better be clear that it's going to take a willingness to stand alone kind of morally and spiritually now and again. And when I look at your birth chart, I want to say there's no shame and there's no problem with you not being ready for that, but you starting to take steps to figure out what that would look like in a way that is sustainable for you. One more thing I want to say, Psychic Sally, is that you're in a really powerful time right now. You really are. You are going through a bunch of Saturn transits. Saturn is opposite your sun. It's conjunct Uranus and Neptune. And in 2020, it's going to oppose Mercury and the Midheaven. Also in 2020, Pluto is going to oppose your Mercury. Also, Saturn is squaring your ascendant. Pluto is squaring your ascendant. You've got a lot going on. I'm not going to lie. You got a lot going on. The fact that you are feeling deeply called to find the answer of what do I want to do with my goddamn life? I want to say that is real and it's not going away. And the transits that your birth chart are showing me says that over the next couple few years, you're going to figure it out. You're absolutely going to figure it out. But I don't think you need a quick fix answer. I want to encourage you to really explore both your interests and your passions and your gifts, but also, very practically, the jobs you're interested in. Because even witch and astrologer and psychic requires trade training, right? It's really important that you allow yourself to really think about what would my day-to-day life look like in a creative path, in an intuitive path? And do I want that? Do I want that full-time? Am I willing to be a hustler? Am I willing to figure out how to earn money and like piece together an income? For some people, that's really not tolerable. And for others, it is. And I can see you tolerating it if you had a little bit of savings. But I I think otherwise, that might be quite tricky for you. So it's something to look at. And I don't want to encourage you to rush the answer. You really don't need to rush this because it is going to come together in its own time. But girl, its own time is not in 2019. So give yourself the month off uh, of trying to figure this out. And I hope that answered your question. Thank you for writing in, Sally. There are four times as many empty homes in Oakland, California, as there are people without homes. Moms for Housing is a collective of homeless and marginally housed mothers. No one should be homeless when homes are sitting empty. Housing is a human right. Moms for Housing is uniting mothers, neighbors, and friends to reclaim housing for the Oakland community from the big banks and real estate speculators. 
To learn more or to donate to this cause, visit moms4housing.org. That's moms4housing.org. Or send a text to 510-800-7810 to get updates. My loves, I am so excited to talk to you about the astrology of this week because the week that we're looking at encompasses the start of Hanukkah. It encompasses Christmas and Kwanzaa. These are some really big holidays for a huge amount of people. So if you celebrate any of those things, happy, merry, hey, now, have a nice time. If you don't celebrate any of these things, my condolences to you because of how annoying the world is. We're here to talk about the astrology of December 22nd through the 28th, 2019. Before we get into it, I shall say to you a couple of things. The first thing is friends. On New Year's Eve, 3 p.m. Pacific, I am doing an AMA. I'm going to talk a bit about closing out 2019 and starting off 2020. But the kind of really exciting thing is that I am going to just be answering your questions. I won't be able to pull up full birth charts for this event, but I will be answering questions. I will be talking astrology of 2020. You know, I'm a big fan of getting kind of deep and woo-woo on New Year's Eve. I know people love to party. I'm just not that fun, you know? For me, fun is like getting deep. I just, I'm that nerd. I am just that nerd. So whatever it is that you're gonna do on New Year's Eve, maybe we'll hang out before you go out and it will kind of ground you into whatever it is you wanna do to kick off New Year's Eve. Also, it just so happens to be the same exact date that my book comes out. So many of you who have pre-ordered my book, thank you, thank you, thank you, will have it in your hands. And if you haven't pre-ordered the book, it's cool. You could just go out and get it, uh, go out and get it. And then the offer for the free 2020 astrological calendar is valid until January 31st, 2020. Final piece of business. So it's my birthday very soon, January 11th. I'm a 111 baby. And uh, in honor of my birthday every year, AKA this is the second year I had a birthday during the podcast's life, this year, I want to take your questions. If there are questions that you have always wanted to ask me, please send me a question at ghostofapodcast.com and just use the title Jessica. Okay, that's enough business. So much business. Let's get into the astrology of the week. On December 22nd, we have a Venus square to Uranus and a Mars sextile to Pluto. This transit Venus square to Uranus is kind of exciting. If you're trying to get really clear about what's happening between you and someone else in a relationship, if you're trying to save money, <laughs> this is not necessarily the chillest of all transits, but if you are looking to explore new ways of relating to your finances or to organizing your resources, whether we're talking about like your house, the stuff in your house, or most romantically, if you are open to experimenting, meeting new people, connecting in new ways, exploring new ways of responding to the people that are in your life, or engaging with the people in your life, or most excitingly, meeting new people, this transit is for you. Venus square Uranus does not create stability. It does not create security. What it does is it disrupts those things. And thank God for that, man, because we need our expectations and our drive for stability and security to be interrupted sometimes. Because when we are too focused on being secure and stable, what we're not doing 
is making sure that we feel enlivened, that we're present, that we're being totally authentic. Venus, the downside of Venus is that it fixates on accommodation, being accommodating, everything being easy instead of being authentic. But the upside of Venus is when you really prioritize the value of being authentic, you kind of get what I would consider to be the highest embodiment of Venus. And so Venus square to Uranus can be a time that disrupts things, but that can be an opportunity for you to become more authentic, be more present, be more embodied. And also, if we're talking less about romance and more about like money or stuff, be more clear about what you care about and why. If you're doing last minute shopping, this is a great time to not buy stupid stuff that you know is just going to be landfill. I know you care about the environment. Of course you do. Everybody cares about the environment. Even people who think they don't care about the environment, nobody wants to breathe crappy air. No one wants to have water shortages. We all want to have our resources available to us. So, you know, do your part this holiday season and every day, if you can, by shopping responsibly. Don't buy things that you're confident will be landfill in a week. The Mars sextile to Pluto is worth mentioning because this transit is a lovely transit. Sextiles are a 60 degree angle and they are always creative and dynamic and positive. However, when Pluto is involved, it's never completely easy. When Pluto's involved, it's never without trials or intensity. And so Mars sextile to Pluto, again, on the romantic tip, is great for sex and sexuality, for getting really clear about what you want for yourself or mobilizing on doing something that requires some measure of bravery. Hey, the downside of this transit, eh, there's not a big downside. The only downside is if you feel emboldened to act in ways that preserve the status quo without a thought for what actually needs to happen or where you actually need to embody change. That'll kind of get in your way. It'll be a missed opportunity. But really, this is a fantastic transit, my loves. Now, on the 24th, we have a sun trying to Uranus. Now, sun trying to Uranus is a really lovely dynamic transit. Again, a trine is a 120 degree angle. It is a transit aspect that suggests flow and uh, a lovely marriage of energies. And so sun tried to Uranus, it's just, it just creates the pathways and opportunities for feeling, being, and approaching things differently and differently in a way that is more authentic and free and open. Now, Uranus is a planet that governs a lot of things, including humanitarian efforts. And so as many people are meeting up with family, whether it's chosen family or family of origin around this week, talk of uh, issues of social importance and politics, hopefully are going to be big in all families. Now, I said hopefully, maybe it's not hopefully for you. I want to hold space for families being complicated and different. But this is a great time to actually have complicated conversations if you can really focus on channeling that sun trying to Uranus by being open. It doesn't actually make you anything. It provides the energy that one can tap into if one chooses to. <laughs> so, you know, if you choose to be open, maybe, maybe this is a time where you're connecting with family and you have fact-finding missions and you are listening to what they're actually saying. You're actually just listening to their perspective. Even if you think their perspective is profoundly and deeply wrong, if you listen, if you truly listen to their perspective, it might help you at another date to have a real conversation based on what you've actually heard them say 
instead of based on, you know, you just kind of fighting points. And this is a particularly meaningful approach because on the 25th, there is a solar eclipse in Capricorn. Now, all over the internet, it says the 26th of December, it is happening. So if you've been researching astrology and you're like, no, Jessica, it's not the 25th, it's the 26th. Well, it depends on where in the world you are, my loves. It depends on where in the world you are. A solar eclipse is always a new moon. This is a new moon in Capricorn, which means the sun and moon are exactly conjunct at four degrees cap and seven minutes. And solar eclipses have a long range of influence. So when we look at new moons, we're really looking at, you know, like a month of influence. You know, you want to look forward for the next 30, 28 to 30 days to get a sense of the trends that that new moon is going to kick up, which if you think really small, not a long time. But when you think about it over the course of a year, if you bring intention and presence every new moon to the things you're calling in, participating in, energizing with your attention, then tracking the moon's movements is really useful for getting more present in your life and, and having better results. So that's super cool. But when we look at a solar eclipse, the effects are about six months long. Different astrologers will give you a different shtick around it, but the effects are about six months long. And because we're looking at Capricorn, and as you probably know, there is this Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn coming very soon on January 12th, which we will talk about more. But as we are looking at the conjunction of the sun and moon and Cap and the solar eclipse, what we can see is a lot of things. And I should say that if you haven't already started to support my work on Patreon, this is the time to do it because I have released my first bonus episode of the podcast and it's all about this eclipse. So you can hear it there. But when we're looking at Capricorn, we are looking at a lot of themes, but on a personal level, what we're really looking at is your relationship to fear and guilt and responsibility. These are the boner vibes that Capricorn governs sorry, uh, it sucks. But there's something very powerful about it to look at the role that fear or loneliness, the drive to have family and a sense of belonging and the ways in which you may isolate or alienate yourself from what you long for. This is really important. And it's a big part of this solar eclipse. Now, this particular solar eclipse has Jupiter really close by to it. So Many astrologers will say to you, Jupiter is a sign of abundance and growth and expansion, and they're right. It's true. But in the context of the bigger picture of astrology and what is happening at this time, I have a concern that this Jupiter conjunction to the sun and moon will make us a lot more aware of what isn't working, of the ways in which we're alone, the ways in which we are not where we want to be or who we want to be or with who we want to be with. And so what I want to guide you towards this solar eclipse is taking responsibility. And I don't mean that in a heavy-handed way. I mean that in the way of really looking at what you're allowing yourself to obsessively think about, taking responsibility for it. I am not like a big mantra person, but if I find myself caught up in a loop of negative thoughts, I will just run a positive word or I like puns and stupid jokes. So sometimes I'll just run a stupid pun or joke in my head over and over again, just to overlap, you know, the negative thought, because sometimes thoughts are just noise. They're just garbage. And you just have to clean up the garbage. That's all. You don't have to find profound healing at all times. Sometimes it's just making choice to try, choice to be constructive. And that's Capricorn energy for you. Capricorn is really about the functional part of healing. 
It's really about being able to look at the actions and the attitudes that you hold and making choices that you can sustain. That's really where it's at. So when we jump, as so many of us like to do, from great pain or trauma or struggle, and we want to jump from there to everything's cool, I'm fine, everything's fine, I'm great, then it's not really sustainable. You know, we need to be able to kind of do that billy goat thing and like climb step by step till we get to the top. And that means being present for all the steps. I know it's annoying. If you are finding that this solar eclipse is really kicking up for you, some heavy family stuff, again, I want to say you have choices, choices around how you participate, how you show up, what you talk about, what you don't talk about. You don't have a choice around who your family is. You don't have a choice about so many things that are happening in the world. These out of control feelings are no fun. However, you do have some choices and around those choices, all you can do is strive to be, you know, the healthiest, most present person you know how to be. And that doesn't mean being a martyr and it doesn't mean being controlling. It means finding that sweet spot where you are taking responsibility for how you engage and what you engage without being controlling. And you are present and whole and forgiving without martyring yourself and just like, you know, succumbing to unhealthy dynamics. It's not easy and it's not black and white. I can't give you like a clear single action, but I can tell you that what you do or don't do around the solar eclipse, how you engage with what comes up, how you hold the feelings and the kind of realities that you're dealing with and the intentions that you set for yourself, this solar eclipse, they will carry through as themes for you over the course of the next six months. A big deal, <laughs> just a big deal. On the 27th, the sun will be exactly conjunct to Jupiter. So that will be actually a really great day. If any drama got kicked up over the eclipse to kind of come to some sense of forgiveness or peace because sun conjunction to Jupiter is actually really good for that. It's really good for smoothing over things and focusing on the big picture instead of the details. Now, sometimes focusing on the big picture instead of the details means saying, I'm not going to talk to this person anymore. It could mean something ends. It doesn't always mean something is happily resolved, but Jupiter wants us to focus on the big picture. That's its damn move. So I encourage you to do that. And I encourage you to do your best. That's all you got, girl, your best. If you are feeling particularly sad or lonely around this date, or if it started with that solar eclipse and it doesn't go away, maybe it gets more intense around this date, don't worry. Jupiter, again, a lot of astrologers will tell you Jupiter is like when you feel lucky and everything comes together. But my experience actually is, is that some people absolutely experience that. They experience like the resiliency and joyfulness of Jupiter. But a lot of people experience Jupiter and that sense of there's so much more. It can kind of trigger depressive thoughts and feelings. It can make you feel really aware of like everyone else has this easy family and I don't, or everyone else feels happy and I'm not, or other people seem to be able to, you know, make a certain amount of money and I can't. Like it can get you into like deep FOMO that feels really isolating and depressive. And so if you find yourself caught up in those loops, take practical steps to support yourself. That means remembering that we humans have a tendency to compare ourselves to people who have more instead of people who have less. It means looking at what you're going through in a global context understanding that you are not alone and that you are probably joined by millions and millions of people in the exact same position or a very similar position as you, even if you may not know them. 
if you find yourself scrolling through social media and it's making you feel like crap, just stop. Stop it, I said. Those are some really simple steps. So finally, on the 28th, the last transit of the week, Mercury moves into Capricorn. And Mercury and Capricorn, I really love that transit because what it does is it allows us to think on really practical things. Mercury and Capricorn can be a time where people are a little bit blunt, a little bit to the point. Uh, It can feel a little bit transactional, but it's a great time for dealing with business. It's a great time for, you know, connecting with people and remembering to follow through on things that maybe you, you hadn't. Now, what's especially important news about this is that Mercury is joining a butt ton of planets in the sign of Capricorn. That's right. I said a butt ton. Mercury will join the sun, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. It's a lot of Capricorn energy, and that's going to build towards the 12th. And so, again, themes of loneliness and fear and responsibility and guilt are mounting. And it is essential, essential that you are gentle and kind and associated, present with yourself to the best of your ability as that happens. This whole idea that is so culturally like resonant for so many people of like being unbothered. I want to say, don't be unbothered. Get bothered. Get bothered. Allow yourself to feel vulnerability. Feel the feelings that you feel. Capricorn does this thing where it tries to like uh, reason away emotion, reason away vulnerability. But that's no way to live. That's no way to be a part of humanity. And that is no way to support your own humanity. My loves, this is a time to really allow yourself to be vulnerable and human. We are not machines. We are not our Instagram feeds, which are well curated. We are tender freaking humans. So embrace your tenderness. Embrace the tenderness in others. Doesn't mean you have to like take on other people's shit. Seeing the humanity in all of us actually makes it easier to bear your own humanity, which is a messy, sticky enterprise. Is it not? Is it not? Now, my loves, I hope you have a good holiday season if you celebrate. And if you don't, I also hope you have a good time not celebrating uh, and and weathering the storm of other people celebrating compulsively in front of you. I want to send you my love and strength and encouragement. I want to encourage you to act in ways that reflect the person you want to be and not the situation you're in. I really look forward to talking to you next week because next week is going to be, you know, a new year. It's going to be a new year. 2020, that's nuts. As always, if you haven't already, please do subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are listening on a platform that allows for reviews, uh, starring the podcast or reviewing it really does help. So please do boop, boop, boop your five-star reviews there. I hope to see you on New Year's Eve. I hope to see pictures of you on social media with my book in your hands. And I love you all. Have a good one. Every year they say the end is near But we're still here Yeah, we're still here